I'm in a series now called Former Things, and so we've been doing this series for the last couple weeks, and just to kind of give you a little bit of a highlight, um, there are some things that have happened in our past that tend to kind of nip at our heels as we're trying to follow Jesus, and our past has a lot to do with how we follow Jesus at times, and so we have to have the discipline and the ability to put aside our past because this is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. This is the, the passage that we've been standing on the last few weeks, beginning in Isaiah chapter 43. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I love this passage because God is telling us to forget the things of the past. Don't remember those former things. And because you dwell on those former things, then you're unable to perceive really the new creation that we are in Christ for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. And that hinders our walk, that, that keeps us from moving forward into the things that God wants us to do, that keeps us from enjoying the present as well as looking forward to the future. So what are those former things? And I said week one, one of those former things is our sin. A lot of us have committed things in our past life that sometimes still needle us today. We remember the things, the big things that we've done, right? And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everybody in here, everybody that's watching online, we're all guilty of our sin. But when we meet Jesus, his blood is over it, right? That's why we need to get over it. No longer are we held bound to that sin. So why is it we hold on to it? It's because our enemy, the devil, likes to remind us of the things that we've done. And if we sit there and dwell on it, then we can't move forward. And what Paul said is we are to healthy, in a healthy way, acknowledge our past. And what is it? He says, I am the chief of all sinners. What I've done is I've blasphemed God. And I've persecuted those who are believers. And because I've done that, I am the chief of all sinners. But Jesus saved me from my sin. That's the healthy way to acknowledge it. So whenever the devil brings those things up from your past, the things that you have done that have wronged others, that have wronged yourself, ultimately have wronged God as sin, then you need to remind the devil, listen, I'm over it. Because Jesus has covered my sin. That no longer holds any weight in my life. So I can go ahead and move on. And then last week I talked about the things of sin that have happened to us. That other people have committed against us. That have wronged us. That have hurt us. And what I said is the thing that we need to do is we need to make sure we forgive those people. See, when people wrong us, the reason why it has power over us is because we haven't given it to God. And how we give it to God is we forgive people and we let God have it. And then God will take care of the consequences. It's not my job to try to take care of their sin that was done against me. It's God's job. So I've got to give it to him. And listen, this is something that I didn't say last week that I needed to say. But just because we forgive people does not mean that we need to remain in relationship with those people. It doesn't mean we need to continue to be friends with them or continue to be friendly with them. Forgiveness is a choice. What it is is it's saying, 
I'm not going to hold their sin against me anymore. I'm giving it to God and he can deal with the consequences. That's what it is. And that's power. When God gives you the strength to forgive, that's power. Because what you're saying is, I'm not letting that sin that was done against me hold any more power or any more weight in my life. And I'm able to move forward. So what I want to focus on today, my final week of this series, is trauma. Just because I forgive somebody of what they've done to me doesn't mean that the feelings go away. That forgiveness is step one in being able to heal from that trauma But there is another step that we're going to talk about today. Also, sometimes there's things that happen to us, not because a direct sin against us from somebody else, but because of just the fallen nature of the world. An accident might happen in your life. Somebody might pass away in your life. Something might happen to you that's not necessarily somebody doing something against you. Does that make sense? And so there's trauma there. There's, there's, there's a need for God to come in and heal your broken heart. And that's what we want to talk about today. So what is trauma? In Webster's Dictionary, trauma is this. It's an injury to our bodies, basically, right? It's something that happens to you, a traumatic wound, a traumatic injury. But the ones that I'm going to focus on today is this. Number two is an emotional, emotional wound that happens to us. Um, an agent or force or mechanism that causes trauma. And the Greek word for trauma is, is wound. That's what the Greek word means, is to wound us. And a lot of the, the things that we talk about when we talk about trauma is physical, but today really what I want to focus on is the emotional effects of things that happen against us. Because I really feel like there's a lot of people that are bringing their wounds in here, their trauma in here. They haven't let go of it yet. They haven't given it to God yet. And because of that, it's keeping them in this place, this pit of despair where they can't seem to get out of it. And so today we're going to process through that. And with that, I want to pray. So Father, I want to thank you for everybody that's in this room, everybody that's watching online this morning. Father, I thank you that no matter what it is that we're carrying today because of things that have happened to us in our past, that we give them to you today, that we begin to process these things, Father, so that we can be healed, we can be whole of them. And Father, I just want to thank you that when we walk out of here this morning, we're not the same person that walked in today. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Started to meditate on trauma, and I'm going to kind of go to the extreme. War is probably the extreme trauma that almost anybody will experience. And the Vietnam War is a recent war where they did a study because. The soldiers and and sailors, marines, airmen that came back from Vietnam, they had post-traumatic stress disorder. And they didn't know what it was back in those days. They didn't really think about how to treat it, how to help those that survived the Vietnam War process through that trauma. So a lot of them carried it. So they did a study in 2013, nearly 40 years after the war was over, What they found is that those that survived the Vietnam War that were still living in 2013, 18% of those veterans still had PTSD. 37% of those veterans met the criteria for major depression. This is in 2013. This is 40 years after the war. Two-thirds of those veterans that were studied had undergone, undergone some sort of behavioral health treatment or therapy. 
So the PTSD that they experienced is flashbacks, upsetting memories, nightmares, anxiety, unable to sleep. And just made me think about my uncle who served in Vietnam. I remember when I was a young boy, age of 13, my great-grandmother had passed away, and we went to her funeral. This was in 1985, so this is about 15 years after he had exited Vietnam and, and came back home. And I remember him standing in the back of the funeral home when there was a viewing of the body. And I, as a young kid, did not like seeing my great-grandmother um, in the casket. And so I went back there to be with him to see how he was doing because he looked awful. He looked as white as a ghost and he was sweating profusely. And I just was like, hey, Uncle, Uncle Frenchie was his name. <laughs> What's wrong, man? And he was just like, listen, I can't, I can't look at that because of the war. And I didn't really understand what he was talking about until I asked my dad uh, the day later. I was like, you know, what's wrong with Uncle Frenchie? What's wrong with him? And he, he was telling me, well, he went through the Vietnam War. He saw significant action in the war. And he just doesn't talk about those things. See, that's the problem. He didn't talk about those things. He didn't open himself up and to process the trauma. And I think PTSD can happen to any one of us that's in this room. Not to somebody who's in war. War is the extreme. But see, there's a lot of us that have gone through things that we're still experiencing those effects. Sleepless nights, anxiety, stress, flashbacks, nightmares, you name it. We're still feeling the effect of that thing that happened to us even though we weren't fighting in a war. And so we're experiencing these things called PTSD. And so what I wanted to share with this with also with you all is, is I think sometimes we look at other people's trauma and we don't think ours is big enough. Like there's a sense of guilt. Like why do I feel like I'm going through this pain but then I look at somebody that has gone through something so much more than me and I feel kind of guilty that I have you know, this stress, this anxiety, I'm, I'm not able to sleep. We cannot minimize our pain. We cannot compare our trauma to somebody else's trauma. Does that make sense? We just can't do that. If you're feeling pain from something that happened to you, then we gotta process it. And this morning, that's what I wanna do. I wanna begin the process. And sometimes the process means we have to acknowledge that we're hurting. So my uncle who served in Vietnam, the more he said he didn't want to talk about it, was basically shoving it down, just pushing it down, pushing it down, not letting it out. And because he pushed it down and didn't bring it to the light, it was not being dealt with. And here's one of the big takeaways from today, and I'll have it on the screen. That trauma does not take care of itself. You can't ignore it. It's just going to be there. The worst thing about it is you think you're good, and then something triggers that. And you feel that pain. And you don't know what to do with it. And God knows that because, as we're going to see here in a minute throughout his word, he sent Jesus to help us deal with that. Not just the physical pain, not just the things that we need physical healing for, but also that deep-rooted emotional pain that we're feeling because of our traumatic 
past. So maybe you have forgiven that person, but you can't forget. That pain is still there. Maybe whatever happened to you, you think you've given it to God, but yet it still hurts. My mom passed away 12 years ago from cancer. And towards the end of her life, her and I got really close. A lot closer than we were when, when I was younger. And it was hard for me to process the fact that she had passed away. Because really, I mean, I wanted her to grow up older and grow up with my kids, her grandkids. And unable to do that. And, and there are times when I still feel that pain. If I'm driving down the road, you know, my mom and I used to talk a lot on the cell phone because she lived in another state. And so I'd be driving and, and she'd call me and we'd have nice conversations. But there's times when I'm driving down the road now and, and I'll have that flashback or that memory of her calling me on my cell phone and realize she's not going to be able to do that anymore because she's not here. So I've been able to process, I've talked about that pain, I've talked about it with family members, I've processed through it, I feel like I've given it to God and because I know she's in heaven with Jesus right now, that makes it a lot easier for me. But it doesn't mean that every now and then I don't still feel that pain. So there is a healthy way to process that. And that's what I wanna talk about today as well. So for some of us today, really ultimately what we need to do is begin the process. One of the things I say a lot to my staff and to my family as well is we need to trust God with the process. But you gotta begin the process to trust him with the process, right? So the very first thing that we're gonna to learn today is Jesus binds up the brokenhearted. He's the one that we need to give the trauma to so he can bind up our broken heart. This is what David said. Psalm 147, this is somewhat of a familiar passage if you're in the Bible, you've read this before, beginning in, in verse three, David writes this, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He saves those that are crushed in spirit. Verse four, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names, great is our Lord. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, how great God is. And abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Why is this all interwoven together? This idea that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds is mixed in with the fact that he created the universe and holds the stars together. Basically, it's if God can hold the universe together, he can create it and keep it running, guess what? He can bind up your broken heart. I think some of us really need to know this. Not just memorize this verse, know this passage, but know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is able to take what is broken in you and heal it and make it whole. He's able but there's something that keeps us from giving it to him completely so he can do that. It's one question that when something bad happens to us, we're asking. The question is why? Why did this happen to me? 
God, why did you let this happen to me? Why am I still feeling this pain? The question why, why did this happen to somebody and I experienced it with them and I just don't understand why bad things happen to good people. Or why bad things happen to those that are innocent. Or hey, I'm trying to follow you with everything I have and this bad thing happened to me. Why, why, why? But see, when I mentioned Psalm 147, verse 3, a lot of you, I could hear you say, amen. We know that Jesus can do this. We know he can heal us. We know he can bind up our broken hearts. But we ask, why, why, and why? And you want to know something? What came to me was, I don't think we want to know the answer to why. I don't think we could handle the why. Maybe the reason why God hasn't answered the question why is because he knows it would hurt you. He's protecting you. And what he's saying, don't focus on the why. Focus on giving me the what and receiving the who. Don't worry about the why. The what is what happened to you. Give it to me. The receiving of the who is Jesus. Let him bind your broken heart. But unfortunately, human nature is always wanting to know the reason why. The same reason why we want to bring justice on those who have afflicted us. (laughs) That's why we got to give it to God. So how do we? How do we trust Jesus with our trauma? How do we let it go? Isaiah chapter 61 is where I'm going to go. Beginning in verse 1, this is also... Very familiar passage because this is what Jesus quoted in Nazareth in a synagogue when he was declaring that he is the Lord. He is God. He read right out of this chapter in Isaiah that was written 700 years before he was even born. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So if Jesus came to give us good news, that must mean there's some bad news. Things are going to happen. And if it's to the poor, well, guess who the poor are? Those of us who are poor in spirit. Those of us who have gone through something difficult that we're feeling the pain of. We're poor in spirit. It still hurts. So Jesus came to save us who are poor in spirit. How does he do this? He says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. There are some of us in here who are bound in prison from that trauma, from that pain. What he's saying is come out of that prison. Allow me to take you out, allow me to give you freedom and liberty. Verse two, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So God is going to set things right. He has already set them right. He's already figured it out through Jesus. We don't see it right now, but one day we will. 
And because of that, because we know for those of us who are in Christ, everything will be made right, that should comfort us. If we're mourning, that should comfort us. For example, my friend Jack passed away last week. That's traumatic. But see, what comforts me is knowing as I'm mourning is knowing that one day I'm going to see him again in heaven. It's not goodbye, it's see you later. So God is going to make it right, and that comforts me. Verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. How many of us would like a beautiful headdress? (laughs) No more ashes. No more wallowing in sackcloth and ashes. Instead, I want that beautiful headdress and let your mind go crazy with that. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. You know, there's some things I'm still processing through myself. And I come up here every Sunday morning to worship Jesus. And sometimes I've just got to make that decision. That even though I'm feeling the pain of whatever it is that I'm processing through, I just got to get my rear end up here and praise Jesus. That sacrifice of praise brings freedom. Brings comfort. Because what you're saying is, I'm not letting this world and what's happened to me in this world affect my worship of you. So I'm putting it aside and I'm bringing you into the mix. And because of that, man, there's freedom. And there's comfort. And here's the reason why. That they, that's all of us, may be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. What comes to me is this, this tree that is, that is firmly rooted in the ground. This oak tree. That he wants us to be this oak of righteousness. Not somebody frail and cast down and crushed and perplexed and destroyed and defeated. No, he wants us to be an oak of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Isaiah is outlining the process of processing through the trauma. This seems pretty simple. I'm exchanging my trauma for the beauty of Jesus. So goodbye ashes, I'm receiving the beauty of Jesus. I'm exchanging my mourning for the oil of Jesus, which is gladness. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is my joy. I'm exchanging what I'm feeling for him. I'm making a decision that I'm not going to be defeated by this thing. Instead, I'm going to be like an oak tree of righteousness. These are all decisions that we have to make. And I was just having a conversation with Alan and Steve out there on the on the whatever that is, that sidewalk outside. The conversation was, why is it that we give it to Jesus, but yet we still feel it, you know? 
we, we can't really seem to, to recover from that thing that traumatized us. And what we came to the realization, it's a process. Huh? Feel that pain, as soon as you feel it, you give it to Jesus. Because like I said, the enemy is like a little dog nipping at your heels. The devil is going to bring it up through your life. Bring it up. Bring it up. Hey, you know, it would really be nice to talk to your mom if she were alive. Oh, yeah, well, she's in heaven right now more alive than ever. And I'm going to see her again. It's, it's, it's the recognition that as it comes up, then I have got to give it to Jesus. I've got to give it to him so that I can exchange my pain for his beauty, for his joy. So you may never get over the pain necessarily, but what happens is you have that strength by continually giving it over to him because it's human nature to grab onto the pain. And sometimes as it comes up, you just got to continually give it to him. This is what I would like to call a faith exchange. And the faith exchange is something that we'll probably have to do every day. But as you're doing that, then that strength comes back. You get stronger and you get stronger. And it doesn't hurt as much as it used to. But the problem is I think sometimes we like to stay in that pain. And like I said before, there, there is some comfort to that. But God doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you in that pit of despair anymore. He wants you to be an oak of righteousness. And so continually giving it to Jesus is going to help. This faith exchange is basically this, and we're going to sing this here in a minute. Take my world, give me Jesus. We're going to sing a song called I Will Trust here in a minute. That song is on my playlist. And it's a song, if you're going through trauma, that I recommend you play that. Not that it's going to take the pain away immediately, but it's going to help you get stronger, help you process through that pain to where as time goes on, as God is, is continually coming into your life to help heal your broken heart, that pain will become more minimal, more minimal, until eventually it's not going to even hinder you any longer. So as I was meditating on, on everything there's a passage that I have actually been trying to commit to memory. It's in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And I feel like God was telling me, they need to hear this. For those that are going through feeling the experience of, of trauma, of something that happened to you in your past, what God is saying is this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And here it is. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light and the life that's in you. If you're in Christ, the darkness will not overcome that. It can't. He even said that if you follow me, I am the light of the world, but if you follow me, then you will not be in darkness. 
It doesn't mean you're not going to go through a valley or dark times. But what it means is that you're going to be that blinding light in that dark valley because he lives in you. The darkness will not overcome you. And I think for some of us, we feel like it has. But we got to get it out. So if everybody would please stand. The darkness of whatever happened to you will never overcome the light of Jesus that's in you. It doesn't mean we don't have to fight. It doesn't mean that we don't have to lay it down. And sometimes it's a consistently laying it down action that we do on an everyday basis. But what it means is that we're victorious because Jesus lives in us. So This is what I want to do. You had a piece of paper that was on your chair and hopefully you have something to write down. If you're going through pain right now because of a traumatic event that's happened to you, I don't care if it was yesterday or 20 years ago, and you're still feeling effects of that trauma, then what I want you to do is I want you to write it down. I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and do that. Write it down on that piece of paper. This is the moment where you're like, you know what? I'm going to quit asking why. I'm going to give God the what. And I'm just going to receive the who. That's Jesus. It's not going to help you get over it right away. But it's the beginning. It's the beginning of saying, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you to heal me of this. Because like I said, trauma is not going to take care of itself. And just like my uncle from Vietnam, maybe, just maybe, not only do you talk it over with Jesus, but maybe you might have to talk to somebody about it. And that's okay. Because you guys know me. I do not put down anybody who goes through therapy. It's okay if you got to talk to somebody. So today is just the beginning of that process of healing from your trauma. Now what I'm going to ask as a faith step is for those of you that wrote something down on a piece of paper, if you would just come down here. And put that piece of paper in this basket. coming out of the front. And I'm going to ask you to remain down here as you do that.
for the rest of you that didn't come down here, I'm going to ask you to come down here and find somebody and just place your hand on, on their shoulder. Just come on down here. Father, I just want to thank you for everybody that's down here. Father, I just want to thank you for those that made the exchange today. The question why is not overcoming the who, that's Jesus. And I just thank you, Father, that the light that is in everybody in this room, they're in Christ. That light, that life is Jesus. The darkness will not overcome it. And I just thank you, Father, that as they're deciding today to take that first step to process this trauma that eventually you bring to healing, you bind up the brokenhearted, and you save those that are crushed in spirit in here today. And I thank you, Father, that as they leave this place, that they will experience a newfound freedom, that their faith will grow, their trust in you will grow, and that you will meet them right where they're at every day. Father, I thank you that if the pain should rear its ugly head, I thank you that you replace it with your presence. And Father, we just declare right now that everybody that's in here by Jesus' stripes is healed. In Jesus' name, amen.